This is No Starving Artist Podcast. I'm Anisa Benitez, your host and fellow creative journeyer. I'm here to support your creative wellness, mentally and spiritually, as we all deserve a successful creative life. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is about conscious living for a healthier planet. As an artist, we tend to reflect the times, we tend to reflect social causes, environmental causes, and at this point, it's all very intersectional. Using our art as activism is powerful, creates radical change in the world. And then when it comes to the well-being of not just ourselves, but the planet, it matters. Our environment affects us, we affect our environment, and vice versa. It's very much a symbiotic relationship. And as this podcast has been hugely dedicated to mindfulness, how do we live more mindfully? How do we continue to make choices more consciously and ones that are more aligned with our values despite maybe having limited funds? How do we continue to live with intention, make differences where we can, especially on our planet, on our world, on the human beings that are here? And so in this episode, our agenda is first, segment from me, I'll share my sustainability journey somewhat, a little brief on that and how this topic became relevant to me, i.e. Earth Day and some more recent things. Segment two will be 30 tips on how to live more sustainably as we, why not, as we are not starving artists, there's abundance in this world and our intention and focus on investing in areas where we want to see more growth and brands we want to see grow and lifestyles we want to popularize matters etc and then two organizations this is our last segment instead of a culture rack I want to just share some information on two organizations that I think are really artful in sharing updates education on the climate on our environment and on culture If you've been enjoying this podcast and getting value from it, your support through rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts makes a huge difference. I have appreciated the ones who have, so thank you. Sharing this podcast on social also helps people find it so we can grow and we can sustain and can continue to support others. Without further ado, let's get into it. How this topic became relevant to me, well, I grew up as a low-income kid and with immigrant, a parent, and first-generation mom, but still with a lot of those habits of being very thrifty, of living conservatively, and so grew up definitely having everything secondhand never wasting food, you know, finishing all the food on my plate, never leaving lights on, never leaving water running. And all of those small little things that we now have glamorized and we say it's just very conscious living. It's very mindful living. And oftentimes I have to check myself to be like, am I being frugal? Am I really being frugal because I'm not spending money on things? Um, on anything excess and sometimes I am being very frugal and so I constantly have this check having grown up with this sense of scarcity um, and 
now I can change my perspective on it, even though I have maintained a lot of the same habits, you know, turning off the lights. I'm like, I'm helping the world by conserving my energy, etc. Um, and yeah, it's funny to see how the times have changed and see how culture shifted. Where now we have these Earth Day celebrations and it's hugely a PSA on climate change and the severity of our current state of the world and how if we continue down this avenue um, of consumption, especially big drivers being the US and the UK. And yeah, actually there's massive corporations all across the globe that are really doing um, harm to our planet. So overarchingly, it's just been interesting to see how things have changed and shifted as far as culture though the world has continually progressively sustained a lot of the same bad habits of exploitation of workers and poor production practices farming practices that are harming the quality of our earth etc but anyways on the more glamorous side last week I had a model shoot with this jewelry company called Futura Jewelry and they are all ethical and sustainable in their production they're mercury free which is big and a lot of the details of how sustainable they are is kind of lost in the minds of people or it's just not even relevant because their practices are so beyond what the industry is currently doing um and it's a great thing that they are doing that, but it's almost like people can't even grasp the level of harm that's standard practice for other brands. And so it was interesting to model for them, and I did a little bit of a voiceover portion where I talked more specifically about why I supported the brand, and that will be integrated into a shiny little campaign video where I'm wearing this like very cute little emerald-fitted dress and gold and when it comes out, I'll share it on social. So for sure, check in. Living consciously is a choice, even when we have limited resources, even when we feel like we have limited choices. And most of us are still consumers, even when we feel like we don't have enough, we're not consuming enough, we're not consuming what we want. Everything that we buy, every purchase that we make is like a vote. So what we nurture grows what we put our money into grows and so there are some companies that we might believe are corrupt but we still continue to support them and as we continue to move up in our creative journey and we feel more abundance and we feel more capable of making spending habits that reflect our values then maybe we can divest our money in some of those options that we don't feel so great about I think that is conscious living it's not only doing the cleanest purest thing because sometimes that's not it's not an option it's just maybe because of affordability or because of a monopoly there is definitely corporations that are not completely monopolies as those are somewhat illegal in democracy but they're not where they have just such a hold on an industry or a space i.e amazon is a good example of that that's just weaving out other competitors. I know recently they announced that they created a salon, which 
is going to be very interesting to have only Amazon products, et cetera, and in, in a salon experience and see how that shapes, you know, just changes that kind of industry. But anyways, having a, only few choices because of affordability or having only one go-to because it feels like it's a monopoly and you don't see anything else available can make us feel like we don't have options. It can make us feel like we're powerless. And that's why it's also an exciting time because many people are recognizing that. They're like, I don't deserve to feel powerless. I was told that I am supposed to feel more abundance, especially as a person with some money and I don't have to have all the money to have a choice. And so using social media to hold companies accountable for maybe some of their bad practices or for things is a beautiful shift to continue to see. And yeah, as we can continue and we have more sense of powerful, we feel more powerful in ourselves and we can make choices that reflect the future that we want to see. But yeah, I think being a purist and a lot of the environmental sustainable stuff can feel, yeah, just kind of surface level. It's hard to be a purist in our society, even if you live on off the grid and you just like are self-sustaining, making your own food and clothing, you're likely living on land that's stolen and it's been, you know, acquired by you through the deaths of many indigenous people, maybe enslaved people, maybe wars. Our human history has been pretty disruptive. And so I think oftentimes we can feel a lot of shame if we want to claim the title of being conscious environmentalists because it's kind of inevitable that you will create some waste and you will create some poor consumption habits and some of your choices are not going to be fully aligned with your ideal, but they can always be better. And I think better is best as we are continuing to move, you know, in the direction of our ideal lives, of our creative abundant futures then hopefully that's just the continuation of better and better and better over time yeah so in the next segment I'll share an update on how we can make more conscious choices more sustainable choices to continue to better I'll be sharing 30 ways to live more sustainably and help our planet in the meantime. Uh, My segment is supported heavily by Self.com's article, 30 Ways to Live More Sustainably and Fight Climate Change in the Process from Rachel Ramirez, and it came out on Earth Day. I subscribe to Self Magazine's newsletter, and generally it just focused on health, fitness, food, all the basic wellness things. But I hugely appreciated that they had this article because it shared some depth, not just like highlight pointers, but some nice detail on ways that we can curb our unconscious habits and replace them with more conscious choosing choices, lifestyle things. Ultimately, I remember it was 2019 in New York City and left work early because there was a huge Earth Day protest where um, the streets were shut down and there were musical performances and yeah it was really a huge call to action especially for the youth really asking for their future to be given back to them. 
there was the first ever youth climate summit in New York City, and just a lot going on, a lot of tension, a lot of sense of urgency, which was exciting, especially given that things were looking a little difficult for the U in the U.S., especially with Donald Trump being the president at that time and having withdrawn from the U.S. Paris Agreement. Which, but yeah, but maybe humankind can pull it together. We'll find out, and this is how we can definitely support in that. By number one of 30, understanding that the climate is deeply connected to other social issues. I think in the U.S. it's also very clear that climate and environmental issues are not very scientific. It's actually pretty directly tied to a lot of corporate greed, a lot of, um, yeah, redlined communities consistently experience more of the climate change and a lot of countries and places where there's the worst air pollution, etc., tend to be places with a lot of people of color, etc. Two, it's valuable to assemble a climate conscious reading list. As much as I have read so many books about the environment and stuff, I feel always a lack of knowledge. And it's nice to re-up, see what's out there, what, what things that we can learn. There were some recommendations from this article, for instance, On Fire, The Burning Case for a Green New Deal by Naomi Klein. All We Can Save, which is a collection of poetry and essays from Ayana Elizabeth Johnson. Octavia Butler's Earth Seed series. A Children's Bible by Linda Millett. So there's many things out there, constantly new books um, that we can continue to use to inform ourselves on environmental issues. Number three, find and join your local climate environmental justice organization. If you're part of campaigning or politics, you're more deeply involved, then you're more likely to be able to impact your local community, which is really great. Whether you're fighting about zero waste or building a regenerative agriculture system, there are so many organizations that are coming up and there's a lot of local community solutions. It can feel really satisfying to impact at a small scale even because if everybody was to impact positively their small scale or community, then there'd be mass change. There's Sunrise Movement, Zero Hour, 350 Organization, Climate Justice Alliance, and there's many chapters that they have across different cities and states in the U.S. And yeah, start small and grow from there. Number four, organize with your neighbors. It can be tedious, but there's Uprose, which is a Brooklyn-based grassroots organization that encourages people to literally go block to block to educate people on ways that they can be more sustainable in maybe their home and things like that. Why not band up if you live in a smaller community and it might be a lot easier to get be heard it feels like 
Number five, show up for protests, marches, community hearings on the climate. The participation of your bodies, it's so interesting, but literally just physically showing up counts still in our very online digital world. Um, It's still helpful. They get footage on it. It's good. But also, it helps you build a lot of camaraderie and optimism because you feel like you're not alone as you care about these things and you want to see a better world. It can make you feel like you're part of a movement rather than isolated in the way that you can feel maybe just posting on social media. And so there's youth-led climate protests, which help highlight to policymakers and corporations and fossil fuel industries that there's pressure and they need to take action to make better choices. Number six, take time to listen to Native people, to Indigenous people, to people who know the earth very well. I think it's interesting to have grown up in a way that's so disconnected from Mother Earth. And there's a lot of people who have handed down knowledge. And I think it's it's valuable now to see how a lot more Indigenous people are getting their voices heard. Um, expanding climate work and activism across generations and listening to the knowledge helps protect a planet. Number seven, make sure your activism supports people of color in general. And that's, I like this tip because when it came to a lot of the harm in the U.S., especially with industrial pollution in Louisiana, in a lot of Puerto Ricans suffering because of the impacts of Hurricane Maria, vulnerable communities have tended to be have a lot of firsthand knowledge on how to tackle a lot of the consequences after climate change and a lot of the yeah, a lot of the ways that we can voice what needs to be changed is valuable if we actually listen and make sure people who are being most impacted are being heard. Number eight, vote in local elections or maybe even run yourself. It goes without saying, it's definitely not a small feat to run in a local office, but you got this. Number nine, simple thing, use less water, waste less. Um, But yeah, even just like taking really long showers, leaving water running, these are all these moments where we can just be a lot more mindful when it comes to reducing our water usage in the U.S., According to the EPA, apparently 29 billion gallons of water are used daily by households in the U.S. Nearly 9 billion gallons, or 30%, is used just to water outdoor areas. Number 10, cut back on how much energy you use at home. So sometimes we just have lights on that don't need to be on, or we are overly yeah, plugged in. When we don't need to be. And so how can you stash away some of that energy? Also switching to renewable energy is the move. I recently did that and it was more affordable. So that was a great incentive. Two. Eleven, contact store managers and ask them to eliminate single-use plastic. This is something we can also consciously do when you're going out. Not 
purchasing tons of little packaged things and little baggies, even if they're very cute. I eat Trader Joe's. Gets me every time. So cute. So cute. But how can you reduce that? Number 12, use more compostable biodegradable products instead. Number 13, if you can afford to buy fewer, higher quality clothes, a lot less fast fashion. So that's something I've definitely shifted to. Not buying cheap things, buying higher quality things, and a lot more staples, not really following trends so much. But things that you're going to wear and you're going to love for a long time. Number 14, cut down on your food waste. Hmm. And this is huge in restaurants. A lot of restaurants and places are definitely creating a lot of food waste. But there's so much good produce out there that just goes bad and so you can look at imperfect foods or misfit market those are some services that are providing food that was just a little funky looking sometimes it was an orange that was a little lopsided and it's disposed of because we know that we're a little superficial as consumers sometimes in supermarkets and we want the prettiest thing but even if it's not pretty it serves to and it probably tastes delicious and it's a lot more sustainable to consume what we have number 15 buy and plant native food if possible so we can buy locally farmers markets are great we can also yeah make our own little gardens and start doing that thing i have some herbs that's just a start number 16 reconsider your online shopping habits easy to consume, especially with all our social media apps, having all the brands advertising to us all the time. But there's opportunity to curb. Likely what you consume currently is less than, it's more than what you need. And so understanding that bridge between what we need and what we want. Number 17, Google the ingredients in the companies behind products before purchasing it's valuable to understand the origins of some of the things that we consume because sometimes it's a lot of chemicals and it's a lot of things that are harmful not just to us but to our planet so a lot of the shampoo conditioner dish soap you buy look at the ingredients and make sure it is sustainable palm oil is kind of an issue um and it's usually created through slash and burn agriculture and so things like that number 18 buy local made products when possible shop small go to your mom and pop store instead of the big target or amazon tough i know but especially usually just price wise or it's more at a distance it's less convenient but does support them continuing to be in existence number 19 seek out recycled paper products that includes toilet paper paper towels sometimes they still want paper things but um but yeah there's alternatives too there's swedish dif- there's dish cloths i'm not really sure why they're called swedish dish cloths but there's biodegradable dish cloths that are alternatives there are bidets <laughs> that you can use and then it helps use significantly less paper toilet paper but this feels like a topic that's kind of divergent from your creative journey 20 
Consider how products you use affect the oceans and coral reefs. Yeah, hugely. A lot of our things, chemicals, end up somehow back into the ocean. It's hard to separate that. Water tends to find itself. And these liquids, yeah, they can do really big harm. 21. If you have a car, get regular maintenance. Make sure that you're not harming the green the world through greenhouse gas emissions so much um if you're able to have an electric car that's even better no car even better walk or use public transportation number 22 when you can living in new york city makes that very handy 23 get to biking biking is a great way to get around in a sustainable way too Number 24, use social media to hold companies accountable. As I mentioned earlier, there are many ways where you can just feel powerless because there's a lot of middlemen and just a lot of these big corporations get to exist anonymous, anonymously. And that was really highlighted to me in watching the Rotten episode on Netflix where there's a lot of middleman corporations that are processing and manufacturing a lot of the chocolate, cacao, cocoa, and then distributing it to the major players, maybe Hershey's, etc. And then they're selling it to retailers. And so with all of the in-between, you don't realize who's getting the major cuts and who's actually like squeezing a lot of the farmers for money. And so, yeah, I'm going to say that's a culture wreck. That's a good one to watch. 25. Ask news outlets to cover climate issues. It's amazing to me how people just live in bubbles. And we all live in bubbles. We all live in bubbles. But how certain bubbles seem to have a huge absence of information on climate issues. 26. Add sustainable lighting sources to your emergency supply stockpile. Um, And that might be just having candles and things available. I also switched a lot of my lights to renewable or conserving light bulbs that conserve energy. Number 25, boycott. Yeah, when you can, especially um, oil companies that are doing harm. 28, use your creativity to amplify the crisis. And obviously this is one of my favorite, but beyond just showing up and being at protests, etc. If you're a writer, if you're a filmmaker, if you're a graphic designer, there are so many ways we can creatively bring color to issues that matter to us, amplify messages around the climate, and we can share them on social media, make our art. It can spark change, and it can get a lot of viral attention. We now see that it usually is the part of movements that is most remembered songs chants things like that it's beautiful to see that but it's always been the case 29 ask yourself how far you're willing to go to affect change it's constantly going to be a question of am i willing to give this up am i willing to make this call this trade-off am i willing to go a little extra mile mile pay a little more shop at this mom and pop it's constantly going to be 
a reinvestigation into ourselves. And last but not least is to donate money or volunteer with organizations, things that are supporting environment, earth, mama. So I hope you enjoyed some of those 30 tips. Some of them resonated with you. Some of them made you feel like, oh, that I can do. Maybe that I can't do, but this I can do and ultimately feel more powerful. Like you are able to make more conscious choices and lead in creating the future that you want to see for others. So those are just some tips and there are many and ways that you can continue to increase your knowledge and stay informed on environmental issues, etc. And these two organizations that I'm about to mention, I think are doing it beautifully because I'll be honest, a lot of the scientific crunchy stuff tends to not be something I'm eager to check out regularly, but the aesthetics, the artfulness of these two organizations makes me a lot more enticed to stay up to date. One is atmos.earth. They are a, they have a newsletter. They're active on social media. Atmos is, they say they're in the exploration of climate and culture, a biannual magazine and digital platform curated by ecosystem of adventurers, creatives, and journalists dedicated to pioneering progress around the world. If you check out their website, it's beautiful, truly like natural geographic type photos that are a little bit more artfully shot and vibes and depth and information around our world, our planet. So definitely check them out. And then the other is slowfactory.foundation. Slow Factory is a public service organization and they find them they consider themselves at the intersection of climate and culture, building anti-racist community and growing positive climate global movements. They have a lot of one-on-one education on the climate. They have like this whole education kind of space, online education space in addition to news and other information. So check them out they're always highlighting policies that we can be involved in signing and or advocating for etc and so yeah it's another to check out nice to it's nice when we see the intersection of art and environmental stuff during this time It's, it's refreshing for sure life is art mother earth is clearly a work of art so it all makes sense Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm so grateful to be with you during this time, enjoying this creative journey, enjoying this lifetime, enjoying Mother Earth, feeling blessed to be a little earthling, being able to hang out here and yeah, experience, experience whatever this life incarnation is as a human. If you've been enjoying this podcast, your rating and review at Apple Podcasts makes a big difference. Share this podcast on social so others can find it. And regardless, you can find me at Anissa Benitez on Instagram and on TikTok. I think I'm fully done with like LinkedIn and I'm thinking I'm kind of over the 
clubhouse thing too. We'll see. You are no starving artist. I'm so grateful to be learning and growing with you. I appreciate you.